0: This episode of the Read Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not for profits who are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important for Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca So last week we talked about how we're getting very close to the end of our novel (laughs) and uh, this week when I checked the chapter I went and double checked how many chapters were left and discovered one
1: yep i did the exact same thing i thought we had at least another two we do not we have one chapter left
0: we are in fact much closer to the end of this novel than originally suspected so um we will be obtaining a new novel soonish and that recap episode will be coming faster than (laughs) originally anticipated but uh, it's all good i mean we're winding down the novel it's always an exciting time to be looking forward to what's coming next we'll also eagerly anticipating a chance to really sink our teeth into what's going on in this novel from the the grand perspective of having read the whole thing
1: so mm-hmm. i look forward to that part actually
0: yeah nita always enjoys going full book club
1: i do i think it's fun
0: but uh, it's also an enjoyable experience to make our way slowly through the book and kind of take our time with it because you don't often do that with a novel no, really, not usually. really languish in it and take your time and, and have the opportunity to think about it in a way that binge reading a novel, like reading it all in one sitting, doesn't give you the opportunity to do.
1: Kind of niche that way, aren't we? And I get it. Sometimes the chapter ends with a bit of a cliffhanger and you just want to keep going. And I've encountered chapters in books like that many times over where you're like, oh, well, now I have to keep going. But we force ourselves to stop and reflect on what we've read in smaller pieces.
0: Yeah, and it, it's a different perspective on a novel, too. And it's tripped us up a few times where we've read a novel and then we're like, okay, well, now that we've read the whole novel, we can clearly see how this novel would have benefited from being read all in one sitting. Yes. And having the chance to languish on each chapter actually was perhaps to the detriment of the story. But I don't know. I I think I still think it's an interesting exercise
1: I don't think that's the case with this book.
0: Oh, no. I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that that's the no, case no. here. But...
1: And I think I know which book you're talking about. But yeah, there are some novels out there, for sure, where it's meant to be read in at least larger chunks. Yeah. Right? I would argue almost all thrillers.
0: Yeah, the thriller that we read. More so than the detective story. The detective story actually, I think, benefited I Agreed. from being read slowly. Yeah. we really had a time to, like, think about the clues and, and yeah, the mystery.
1: Uh, you, you get a chance to give more attention to detail.
0: Yeah. Uh, whereas the thriller, I don't think, benefited from this type of read. It was really meant to be read in one breathless read-through. And some of the flaws with the story were more glaring because we didn't just tumble right through it. And we were taking our time to think about it.
1: Yeah, you, you spend too much time on the detail in that case. Right? And so you're focusing on stuff that it turns out to have not mattered.
0: Yeah. Different kinds of stories. Yeah. But it's all part of the learning process for uh, the kind of book club that we're running.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. And you never know what you're going to get into when you start a novel because you haven't read it yet.
0: And we go into our novels blind. Yes. For the most part, I mean, we've read the back of the book, so and, and oftentimes I'll have checked out uh, a spoiler free review to make sure that we're not getting something that's just absolutely garbage because <laughs> I we don't want to read a bad novel, we don't want it to be a miserable time, so yeah, we, we do. I don't
1: know. I've read some bad novels that were not miserable times at all, fair
0: enough, but the, <laughs> but I the don't point think is they were
1: intending to be bad,
0: yeah. The point is, we more or less go in blind. So that we are unspoiled, so that we can read it chapter by chapter and and do the discussion as we go.
1: Shall we discuss the chapters that we've gone through?
0: (laughs) Yes, but first we should recap our previous chapter.
1: Oh yeah, so we know where we are.
0: In which Jebby starts out by assisting the camp in preparations for an attack that does come rather abruptly, and then flies off with Arazi and Vey to enact some battle art once again. Yep. uh, Causing an earthquake that swallows up a small army, then gets Mm. shot. And that leads us directly into chapter 21 of Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee. So this is another wakes up not knowing what's going on or where they are chapter. Of course. Not the first time this has happened to Jebby.
1: No. Poor Jebby. It's like the Tintin effect. Constantly getting uh, rendered unconscious,
0: uh, and their vision has suffered from it at this juncture because
1: they wake up all blurry eyed
0: because they are reminded that they apparently suffered a concussion at some point they hadn't fully recovered from, probably from the extensive beating they received. Probably, from armor. yeah, it's just been exacerbated by the situation that's been going on. So, one of the things that kind of popped out at me during this this opening bit is that frequently throughout this book, plot seems to be happening to Jebby. <laughs> And this is another case where it's like, time has passed, Jebby awakes, not knowing really what's going on or or where they are or what the situation is. And it's because, once again, plot kind of happened to Jebby. (laughs) Yes. And now someone needs to catch them back up.
1: Right. It feels like a shortcut version of exposition. Instead of explaining the whole situation to us as it happens, Jebby is rendered unconscious and then things are just explained quickly. Yeah. So that we don't have an extra chapter of, well, this is what happened. This is the nothing that happened for the last two days.
0: What we kind of get caught up about is that the battle was largely won by Jebby's battle art because the uh, the tanks all disappeared into a sinkhole that will last a thousand years.
1: Right? Yeah. There was talk of like people will avoid that area because they're scared it's cursed,
0: that kind of stuff. For sure. Jebby feels uh, pretty guilty about that.
1: And rightly so. Pretty sure a bunch of people are dead under that earth now, having been buried alive.
0: Yeah, like two divisions worth of soldiers.
1: Yep. Even if they were the bad guys, that's still a bunch of lives taken. Yeah,
0: and Jebby feels pretty miserable about that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I would too.
0: Arazi also feels pretty miserable, having taken a life, because we were speculating on whether or not Hafandin was dead, and Hafandin's super dead.
1: Yep, confirmed. Arazi
0: wrecked that guy. He's dead. Yep and
1: stomped by a dragon
0: yeah Jebby is like i'm real sorry that had to happen and arazi to its credit is kind of like yeah i'm kind of sorry it had to happen too but given the choice between hafanden taking your life and me taking Hafandin's life it was clear which one needed to be done
1: yes and i think that's not sitting right with arazi at all
0: no it's definitely not arazi does find some peace with the action, though. Uh, later in the chapter, it will say something along the lines of, what is the point of having principles if you're not willing to defend those principles against people who are attacking them? Hafandin and the, yeah, pe- what, and the army from What are your principles
1: armor. if you're just going to roll over, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: So, like, Arazi kind of makes peace with the fact that it is a pacifist. It does choose the path of nonviolence for the most part, but it's not going to let other people walk over it. It's not going to let other people harm the people it cares about. And so there comes a point where you have to be willing to stand up.
1: Yeah, there's taking a stand and there's being a doormat.
0: Yeah, and so that's that's an interesting kind of position that it falls on. It will still choose nonviolence, but if there comes a time when it needs to defend the people and things it cares about, it's willing to bend that rule a little bit.
1: I think Arazi has found the line Yeah. between standing up for what you believe in even if it's
0: against what you believe in yeah that kind of makes sense
1: in context that sentence makes sense i think i yeah. know what i'm saying and i
0: mean in its defense arazi also still feels terrible about having oh, done it.
1: yeah but i think given the same situation again i think arazi would still make the same choice
0: oh yeah uh, it practically states that outright yeah it does not regret the choice it regrets that it was forced to make that choice
1: yeah, that's pretty accurate. I like yeah, that. That's I, I think that sums it, it up.
0: Jebby also asks after, obviously, Vey. Yes. And is told that Vey is currently sedated and recovering because all of this running around and sorting has just <laughs> exacerbated existing injuries.
1: Yeah. She's kind of bleeding out, so they're forcing her to sleep. Yeah. So that she holds still and can recover.
0: Yeah. Uh Jebby's doctor through this also, we learn, is in fact Vae's mom. Yeah.
1: They, Hieja. Uh, yes.
0: She, we learn a little bit more about in this chapter. Because we learned a bit more about Namgyu the first time we met Vae's parents. That's oh, yes. the third parent. Yes. Uh, and this time we learn a little bit more about uh, Hieja. And uh, apparently she has some very uh, unusual beliefs in regards to medicine.
1: Yes. Okay. So these two go for a walk, but I want to put a pit in that because before they get to go for that walk... Bong Sunga barges in. Barges.
0: It's like, Jebby's awake. We're talking now.
1: Yeah. If it had been a room and not a tent, she would have kicked the door down, I think. She comes rushing in all emotional.
0: Yeah. Calling Jebby an idiot for having run off half-cocked and blown up an army.
1: Yeah, exactly. This still isn't the big toe-to-toe or head-to-head or heart-to-heart that I want them to have.
0: And it's beginning to increasingly look like they're not going like to Like
1: they're have. never going to get it. And that hurts me a little. But it's better than nothing. Yeah. Again, clearly Bong Soonga, somewhere deep down cares a lot about her sibling to the point that she doesn't want to see Jebby dead. Right? So she's she's yelling at Jebby with tears in her eyes. You could have been dead, you idiot. What have you done? So she does care. Yes. Right? That's good.
0: Jebby also chooses this moment to be like, oh, by the way, Vae's the one who killed Gia.
1: I, I made it halfway through that sentence on the page, and I was like, I know you don't want to keep secrets from your sister, but this is terrible terrible timing.
0: They go through an interesting thought process where they decide that there's never going to be a good time and they don't know if they're going to see their sister again, so they they need to get it off their chest and then the moment it's out of their mouth they were like, "No, this was the this was the wrong time. This was a bad time. Okay. I made I've made a terrible mistake."
1: Yes, there's never going to be a good time.
0: Well, and part but of the reason. This is a
1: particularly bad
0: time. And part of the reason they realize is because Ve they is, they've just been told, incapacitated in another medical tent right now. Yeah. So cannot defend themselves. Right? Against possible retribution. Ugh. But as mentioned, Bongsoong is just like, I'm not stupid. I am aware of the duelists' prime that have been working in our territory. I've been keeping tabs on them. It's- I know their dossiers. I'm very aware that. Vei is the person who killed Gia. And I am upset about it, but also there's bigger things at work and Vey has been very useful to the rebellion. So any ideas I have about revenge are secondary to that. Like I would like them to be gone out of my sight, but they're also incredibly useful and there's a bigger picture to look at. So we had speculated earlier in a previous episode, is Bong Soonga the bigger person? And this chapter seems to bear that out. Bong Soonga does consider the mission more important than personal yes. rights. And that actually bears out as well with their feelings towards Jebby. Here they're admitting, I care about you. I would rather not see you dead. But in previous chapters, they were putting the mission before Jebby, Yeah. Again and again and again, to the point of putting Jebby in danger. Yep. And it's only now that Jebby nearly died that Bong Soonga's maybe regretting that. But at the time, they were definitely putting the mission first. So the mission is paramount to Sunga.
1: Yes. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It makes relationships kind of tough.
0: One might argue impossible.
1: Right? <laughs> but Sunga, for as frustrated as I get with her as a character, rebellions don't happen without passionate people. Yes. Right? And Sunga is very much standing up for what she believes in and doing something about it.
0: Bongsunga is walking the walk in addition to talking the talk. Yes. And that's consistent.
1: Yeah. If you zoom this whole thing out and look at the big picture, without people like Sunga, there would be no rebellion. And this one empire would come in and just stomp on another one.
0: So having been confirmed that Hafandan is dead and being well enough to at least hobble out for a short walk. <laughs> Jebby does ask if they can see Hafandan just to confirm to themselves dude is is gone. Yeah. He like, "Um, I mean there's not much left. <laughs> it might be pretty gross." Jebby's like, "No. I th- I need to do this for my own personal like satisfaction."
1: Mm-hmm. This, I think, is a very good character arc development for Jebby, because just before this, Jebby stands up to Bong Soonga and refuses to do battle art ever again.
0: Also true, yes.
1: Which, I think, says a lot about Jebby now.
0: Jebby was already traumatized by the events at the palace, and kind of in spite of their better instincts, realized that they had the power to do something to save Bong Soonga and Vei and Arazi in the moment mm-hmm. during the attack on the rebel camp and unleashed their battle art. But I think that very much was the last straw, seeing the the sheer destructive power of it. Yeah. The problem is, while Jebi has refused to do it themselves, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. No. Now that people know that battle art is possible, Bong Soonga straight up says... We'll untangle that knot with or without you. We will be able to do it again. Yep. And Jebby's like, well, not without any Phoenix extravagant, and I'm pretty sure you don't want to grind up all of our precious national treasures for it. And Bong-suk is just like, then we'll just grind up somebody else's national treasures for it. And Jebby is legitimately like crestfallen by this. Yep. Even the idea that they might just be doing it to Rosani art, it's still art being destroyed. To make weapons of mass destruction, yeah, and that is devastating to Jebby. Jebby has created a further monster, like yeah. more so than just Automata has now proven that art can be used destructively, and I think that's weighing on Jebby.
1: This is going to be a case of uh, dueling adages because the Rosani started it; they did,
0: but now it's escalating.
1: Yes, and at the same time, a completely different adage: adage "You can't make an omelet without breaking eggs." It sucks that art is going to be destroyed, but this is the way that this rebellion is going to defend itself.
0: There's a further problem here.
1: Oh, there are lots of problems here. Just
0: philosophically, though, because art is a creative process. It is one of the ultimate creative expressions. And not only are they threatening to destroy art, they are threatening to then further use art in a destructive way. Yes. And that is I like from from an artistic standpoint that is horrific. Yep. That is a perversion of art's purpose. Yep. And is just standing here going, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that a thousand times. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Bongsunga's not the hero in this moment.
1: No, she's not.
0: And I think this is one of the reasons why Jebby makes the ultimate decision they do in this chapter, which we'll get to.
1: Which we'll get to. Yeah.
0: Cuz they don't want to be a party to
1: this. No, I know. You said that Pungsoonga certainly isn't the hero. Neither is she the villain, though. No. She's in this weird gray area in between as the rebellion simply becomes more desperate. As they have been driven to be more desperate by their opposing force, right? It's all kind of murky.
0: But that's, I mean appropriate and it's appropriate because it's part of the story that Jebby is going through and it's an epiphany Ve has in this chapter and and again we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there are no winners and losers in war there's just losers
1: yeah there's just losers and other losers
0: yeah and there's no no good comes of it
1: not really which we're gonna get real book clubby here for just a moment which I think is what the author is trying to tell us and
0: we obviously couldn't have planned world events (laughs) Around nope. this novel, but uh shockingly shockingly uh, relevant relevant. Today, right now. yeah. Yeah. We're gonna pull out the pin on Haja. Yeah. Okay. So before before Jebby goes to visit Ve, they take a walk and go and visit Hefandin's ruins. <laughs> uh Arazi did a real number on on the deputy minister of armor, and he he's certainly dead. He's not coming back.
1: Look, he was squashed by a giant Mechanical dragon.
0: Yeah, the good news is uh, the squashing also threw off his aim. Jebby would almost certainly be dead if Arazi hadn't intervened in that moment. Yeah. And that's the only reason that Jebby has survived, basically. <laughs> Injured, but survived.
1: Injured, but survived, which is preferable.
0: As they walk, Hayja does discuss how she traveled west to study medicine mm-hmm. um, and learned a lot of western medicine from doctors abroad, but was unwilling to take the Hippocratic Oath. And yeah. that's why they ended up getting kind of sent packing. And basically is like, yeah, no, medicine should absolutely be used to kill people. A hundred percent. Why is that even an issue?
1: Yeah, I did it lots of times.
0: And what? Yeah, Jebby's like, excuse me, what now? And apparently Hayeja was involved in a mass poisoning during the early Razani occupation. Yeah. <laughs> and does not feel any regret about it. In fact, that's how uh, she met Vay's dad. Vay's pa- yeah. father.
1: That's a story I want to hear that we're never going to get.
0: Yep. Also has some interesting thoughts about things like dissection and vivisection, which uh, is interesting. And basically straight up says, in order to be an effective doctor, you have to understand the entire life cycle from birth to death. And I just happen to be really interested in the death part.
1: Here's the thing. I can't tell if she's just kind of an unusual person who's just being very frank or if Jebby is just bad at people and is being very off-put.
0: I think it's both. I think Jebby is off-put by all of this honesty and Haeja is just being very blasé about it. Because to her, it's not a big deal. And Jebby brought it up. So sure, yeah, we'll talk about it. I've killed a bunch of people. Why not? And Jebby's like, ugh.
1: You did what now? Huh.
0: <laughs> so I think you're. I think you've hit the nail on both heads there.
1: I don't know. Is it my Western sensibilities? Is it?
0: I mean, it could be a cultural thing. I honestly am not sure. Is she just macabre? But, oh, definitely that, yes.
1: Those were some interesting paragraphs to read where things took a weird and dark turn for a little bit. I think I was expecting some form of, like, enlightenment or encouragement from this, like, you know, maternal figure that's been introduced to us. And that's really not at all what happened.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, we get a little bit of that. Haeja does straight up ask, like, what are your intentions with my daughter?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, but that's off the topic of death.
0: Because you're an artist and I know what they say about artists. (laughs) We know about artists. Being married to their work. And Jebby's like, look, I I am legitimately in love with Faye. And if Faye will continue to have me, I will continue to have Faye. Like, I'm happy with Faye. I'm not planning to run off, or leave them high and dry. And Haya's just like, all right, that's that's fair. And also does give a little bit of maternal advice and is like, look, from as an outsider looking in, I can see that despite some of the things she said, Bongsunga clearly does care about your happiness. And if you decide to be with Vay, that probably won't drive the wedge between you. You think it might? Yeah. If you're concerned that you're that you would be choosing between Bongsunga and Vay, I think that maybe you're wrong. As an outsider looking in,
1: yeah, <laughs> I agree that I think that's what she was saying. I hope she's right.
0: I'm under the impression she is, based on the trajectory of this chapter. Mm-hmm. After this, Jebby's like, "Well, I would like to see her. V- I'd like to actually have a chance to talk to her." And Highage is like, "Yeah, no problem. Let's let's go.
1: Let's let's leave this gross, bloody mess that used to be a person. Yeah, and go back and go back to camp."
0: So they head back to camp and Jebby goes into Vey's tent and Vey rouses at the sound of uh, Jebby coming in and they have a little heart to heart. Vey makes it pretty clear, like, I think my fighting days are done for the time being because I'm going to be recovering for a while. My right arm is messed up.
1: Yeah, Vey's kind of a
0: mess. I can't fight as well with my left hand. So I think that as much as I would like to stay and commit myself to the cause, I don't know how much use I will be anymore. So if you want to go... I've already been talking to Arazi and we're cool with like all leaving together. Yeah. And Jebby's like, I don't know if Bongsunga will be okay with that. And that's when Bongsunga sweeps back in and is like, I am okay with that.
1: Because I have a plan.
0: I have plans. And that's why I think Bongsunga's okay with it. Because yeah. Bongsunga has come up with a rationale to let Jebby go. And that's very much what this reads like to me. It's not Sunga just being like, you can go. It's Sunga being like, I have to have a reason to let you go. And I've concocted one. Yeah. And that reason is all of this art that we've liberated is not safe from the Razani.
1: Yeah, it needs to go.
0: So if you and Vay and Arazi want to take off, the best thing that you can do to continue to help the cause is to take it to a safe place yeah. and keep it safe.
1: There again is... Bong Sunga's hyper-focus, right?
0: It's not enough to just let Jebby go. Yeah,
1: it's not enough to say, <laughs> look, you're clearly not cut out for this. You are clearly not happy. You're a mess. You should go. It's, I still need to find a use for you yeah. that suits my purpose.
0: But again, I wrap that back around to, I think Bong Sunga, on the one hand is hyper focused, but on the other hand is creating an excuse for themselves to let Jebby go.
1: Oh yeah, I agree with you a yeah. thousand percent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jebby's like, okay, yeah, I'm down with this plan. I'm okay with hopping on a Razi with Vey and peacing out. And I have just the place that Rosani will never think to look.
1: This, okay. <laughs> huh. I should. I felt like I should have seen it coming and I didn't.
0: I mean, it's been foreshadowed all but
1: It has. That's why I'm like, <laughs> oh, I should have seen that coming. When Jebby says, we'll take it all to the moon. I was like, you're going to what now? Oh, Okay.
0: Well, and this is a magical fantasy world. So, and it's been strongly implied that elder spirits and whatnot do exist on the moon, living in a fantastic city. So, presumably, one can go to the moon if one has the means, like a flying dragon. Yeah. Um that's that to me doesn't read as this is incredibly naive and we're all going to die in the void of space. <laughs>
1: At least I hope, like if the next chapter ends with with them breaching the atmosphere and suffocating, I'll be like, why book?
0: No. Weird dark ending book.
1: (laughs) Don't do that book.
0: Yeah. And this is the point where I'm going to say, so I was right. (laughs) (laughs) You You read book good. I read book good because it did feel to me partway through the book that this was less a book about a person becoming a true believer in the cause and helping the rebellion and more a person becoming disillusioned with conflict. And realizing that the the best path for them was to peace out. And sure enough, that's where we're at. Arazi and Vey and Jebby are all like, you know what? It's time for us to go. Yeah. We're done.
1: But here's the thing. They are still helping the cause.
0: To an extent, yeah. But they're not fighting for the cause.
1: No, but they're still helping the cause. Not everyone is a fighter.
0: And that's part of the journey that they've come through, too. Is realizing, well, I mean, Vey is a fighter, but no, well, Vey's yeah. not in a condition to fight at the
1: no. moment. No, <laughs> was a fighter. And Arazi
0: Arazi is also a fighter, but is a fighter who has purposefully chosen nonviolence. Yeah. And Jebi is just not a fighter.
1: <laughs> right. But I know that Arazi was built to be a weapon and that I'm confident deep down Bongsoonga wishes <laughs> that Arazi was a fighter. Deep
0: down bonsuga's <laughs> wearing that on her sleeve.
1: I okay fine. <laughs> also deep down. but how else do you get things to the moon?
0: You fly it there.
1: Yeah. Orazi's the only way.
0: Well, the only way they have access to at the moment.
1: Yeah. So there we go. Yeah Th- it really does feel like a win on all sides for these people. yeah, not for not for the bigger war, but for this particular group of people. This really does feel like the best possible outcome in their situation.
0: Yeah. And again, it, it does feel like the narrative was building to this point, which is why many chapters ago I was like, I think this is where the, the book is going, that Arazi and, and Jebby yeah. and possibly Vey are going to peace out to the moon at some point. And at the end of this chapter, that's the plan. They're going to you... peace out to kay. the moon.
1: <laughs> did you legit think it was the moon?
0: I believe I did say that, yeah. Did you? Good for you. Uh, I mean, people can currently go back and re-listen to earlier episodes where I talk about it, I'm fairly confident that I did suggest that the moon had to play into the finale somehow. Okay. Because we've had tons of foreshadowing. I
1: know. I don't remember you saying that, but it's entirely possible that you did. So So, I
0: was not surprised the way you were.
1: Yeah. So if you got it right, like, awesome. Amazing for you. It hit me sideways and it, it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have. But whatever. It did. And we're good.
0: So uh yeah, I think we've we've touched off all the major points for this chapter. One chapter left to go. Yeah. It's chapter twenty-two. Probably on the moon it'll or on be, the
1: way to the moon? I don't know.
0: It'll be a denouement.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh which we'll want to read up on in time for next week. And then of course, as previously mentioned, after that, full book club episode, final analysis for Phoenix Extravagant and the revelation of our new book.
1: Yeah. So Which we will to have to go get.
0: Yes. Uh we'll we'll deal with that over the next couple weeks. So, sure. Uh it'll be in place in time. In the meantime, while you get that final chapter read up on, um you might be looking for other exciting adventures that are taking place in fantastical worlds. And wouldn't you know it, there's another podcast right here on the Alberta Podcast Network that is doing that right now.
1: In the small prairie town of Hillview.
0: In the center of town, Hillview's single traffic light shifts from red to green which has no effect whatsoever as Main Street is, as usual, completely devoid of traffic. Bored
1: teenagers use their modified hoverboards to sneak into other dimensions. An
0: abandoned cityscape lives, half buried in the sand. Welcome to the multiverse. It's dangerous. The entire right side of her body looks like uh, just a glitched out mess. It's stupid. And then I immediately uh, turn around and punch him. It's got parent
1: groups in a panic.
0: Just don't do it, okay? Hugs, not slugs. All right, thank you.
1: <laughs> and it's the coolest thing ever. This is Slug Blaster. Well, your funeral and ours, I guess. And then Angus points and fires.
0: There's an explosion. A burst of slime goes flying. Your reign of terror has come to an end. It, it kind of scrambles and glitches out. And you can see that this is like a smoking crater where your ray gun hit. That's sick.
1: <laughs> Quantum kickflip. A Slug Blaster actual play podcast, part of the Alberta Podcast Network.
0: Quantum Kickflip. Woo! An actual play of a, of a TTRPG. Cool. Going huh? on right now. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, one of the people involved is my co host from I Have Some Notes, my other podcast, Liam Creswick. So, a little shout out to him here on the read-along as well we
1: heart you liam
0: yeah you can check out quantum kickflip and all the other member podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com uh you can find those podcasts on your podcatcher of choice uh while you're there that's probably where you're catching our pod i would hope so give us a little rating and review we'd like that you could also reach out to us on social media yes
1: we are on twitter instagram facebook and goodreads Those are your choices.
0: Yeah, we're at The Read Along at most of the above. Absolutely. Or just, you can search for us as The Read Along. Yeah. You can also reach out to us via email.
1: Yes, we are thereadalong at gmail.com.
0: And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. To the moon!